Honest, I've always felt that the salaries that the clubs pay players are crazy and unrealistic. The word we have tried to use so many times. We have tried not to use so many times, but we have to use. Again, shame on you. This is Sports 360. Hello, everyone. It's that time again to bring you Sports 360 podcast. Many thanks for joining us. A couple of variations today. Today is the first time we're going to have two guests, two separate guests on the show. One of them you've heard from before. And one of them is joining us for the very first time. And also today, Bori Ogutui, our man is in Dallas, Texas, is unavoidably absent. But we've got all the bases covered. And I can expect another how-long um, show of insightful and in-depth analysis. Let me welcome Yemi Adesanya, who's here You're with here. me. And um, let me introduce Shaya Owolabi. Well, you know, this segment that we're going to do, the first segment, <laughs> Yemi and Shaya are in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and they will do a lot of talking. Well, Shaya Owolabi is, um, introduce yourself. Don't let me make a mistake. From um, the esports perspective. Okay. Um, it's great to be here. Great to be making my debut. And um, I'm hoping we'll discuss more about esports on yeah. Spot 360. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so I'm here, founder, CEO, Lagos Esports Forum, a wholly private um, esports organization with imprints in not just Nigeria, but all of Sub-Saharan Africa. And I also sit as the Secretary General of the Africa Esports Development Federation, which was um, founded by the Global Esports Federation in September 2021. Um, so, so that's me. He's also a lawyer. Yes. Uh, doing stuff in the esports uh, space. Don't introduce yourself yet. <laughs> we know who you are. But let me stick to you, Shire. Yes. Um, November 2019, I, I was part of the trip that went, a group that took a trip to Spain. Um, uh, that was La Liga week. Mm. And we had the privilege of visiting an esports club called Movie Star Riders. Okay. For me, it was an eye opener. That was the first time I realized that this was something, honestly, I'm ashamed to admit, but that was the first time I realized that this was something people did full-time. Yes. I met a lot of young guys who are like full-time players, earning decent salaries and all that. So it just opens up a whole vista. And since that 2019, esports grown in leaps and bounds. Yes. So tell us, esports, what exactly are, uh, are the potentials it has, especially for young people on the African continent? Mm. Well, potential's huge. That's mm. that's the word. And I'm glad you said you saw something in 2019 that opened your eyes to to what is in there. Um, potential's very huge in terms of career. Potential's very huge in terms of engaging young people. We in we keep talking earnings about too? earnings, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. Of course, and, and I'm saying lucrative career. Because yeah. if if you're looking at what um, sports stars are earning, we're beginning to see esports stars also earn close to that and probably mm. would be at par with them in coming years. Okay. When you look at the kind of price pool, when you look at the structure that's been put together by publishers on one side and convening bodies like the GF on one side. So mm. as recent as a tournament in Riyadh, we saw a team win $45,000 okay. from just playing for three days. Mm. And that's a team of five, six people with their manager and maybe some other support yeah. staff. You begin to weigh and imagine if that is a consistent trend. So mm. the potentials are huge in terms of people building a career in it. That's on one side, like I said, and there are all the value chain that will spin yeah. off from there. So it's not even just about being gamers. We have shoutcasters, we have people who are into um, esports nutrition and, and health issues. Mm. Uh, we have people who do tournament organization. We have people who create gamified experiences for brands. So mm. it's a whole new terrain that needs to be delved into. How willing and ready are we as Africans because you okay. asked the question from mm-hmm. the African mm-hmm. angle because we need yeah. to put in the work yeah. and that's what has been missing in the space for so long until we came into the space in 18 months and we've been doing our bit okay um, Yemi um, there's a Chinese team that won a tournament recently and I did not believe the, the when they got back home I didn't believe the crowd and um, the amount of um, people that were at the airport to welcome them and the impact that had, you know, so it, it goes without saying that the potentials are huge globally, but are we ready? Are we well positioned? Hmm. Because I'm thinking for me, one of the passions of the sports uh, industry is that just create platforms. I always say that yeah. now we have a platform that I can create with, you know, you know, there's something we call nerds. People mm-hmm. who just want to be on their phone, yeah. but 
there is a platform for them now for that expression. all those hours we say kids spend on their phones and all that can be turned into something much more profitable. Are we ready for that? That's a tough question. Are we ready? <laughs> I guess I'll say yes and no. Okay. Um, probably, probably yes from our side. And, I, and I'm saying from the private sector side. Okay. Why? Because the vision and the outlook is probably a lot more different. Hmm. It's probably a lot more purposeful, purpose-driven. Um, from the private side, you are probably able to see the value proposition across board. Shia mentioned the fact that there are different layers, different value chains. You're talking education, you're talking health, mm-hmm. you're talking nutrition, you're talking game development, you're talking publishing, you're talking administration, you're talking um, coaching. Mm. The value chain is huge. Yes, yeah. Unfortunately for us in Africa, we are not willing to realize that there is a distinction between all these respective value chain apps that I've mentioned. Mm-hmm. But instead, we want to do all at, at the, the same, same time. time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'll probably say no. And that no aspect also comes from the public sector side. Mm. And I'm talking governmental bodies, the sports ministries, and the likes. If we are willing to engage in that growth, we need to realize that. And I say this, I would know that if a competition mm. tournament organizer, be a tournament organizer. Mm-hmm. If you're an esports team owner, be an esports team owner. Specializations. If you're, a, if you're a gamer, be a gamer. You can't be this, that, and everything. Okay. I think that's why I would say no. Now, you mentioned the Chinese. Now, for those who are listening, that reception happened at 2 a.m. in the morning. Wow. Yeah. And it was League of Legends. Yeah, we don't play League of Legends in Africa. But mm. see, mm. the price money for League of Legends is about $3 billion. Shia can correct me yeah. if I'm wrong. And the Chinese won the world championships. Now, the funny, the beauty of esports, it's just like boxing. There yes. are many world championships. Okay. So okay. the opportunities are endless. Are endless. So I can win a world championships in this game title. Yeah. I can win another world championships in another game. I can, game. I can be more like in boxing, multi-weight title. Exactly. Mm. That is the of what esports makes available to everybody. And it's not just about young people. Even older people, mm-hmm. people in their 50s, in their 60s. Really? Oh, yes. I can take part. Why not? <laughs> See, okay, let, not to seem to blow a trumpet, yeah. but for something as your mobile phone, mm. there are games there that are called casual games. Mm. Okay. That you played coming up that have been moved from there. the ball to your phone. Mm-hmm. From yeah, your yeah. what? To Ludo. Your Ludo. To your Ludo. You can yeah. become a professional playing those games. Those yeah. are some of the opportunities mm. that esports mm. provides. Mm. So, in Africa, the answer is yes and no. Okay. Let, me, let me also add that yeah. that same Edward Gaming that won the world's 2021 mm. is not even the most popular team mm. in China. Really? It's their first title. Yeah. And you can imagine that crowd for a team that's maybe the fifth most popular, popular team in team China. In so what would happen if it had been the, the most popular top, top team, team, the top team mm. in China that won this, this championship? Okay. Let me go into another area now. You know, the, I don't think there's any sport that can survive whether e-sport or regular sport without sponsorships, without the corporate partners. Definitely. So, I know that probably corporate partnerships abroad, China, Europe, the rest of the world is coming on strong. How are, how's the corporate world in Nigeria, in Africa uh, reacting to what you have to offer? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what's funny? Why are you so like, you are struggling with Because I'm sitting directly in front so of, the, in front of the, the man who should be bringing in the box. It's been challenging. But but mm. the truth is, we, we, we started, well, it's 18 months now. Mm. And we've had sponsorship for most, I'll say 90% of our, of our tournaments. Okay. That was a good start. Um, mm. Corporate sponsorship. 
campaign sponsorship because the truth is you will see most organizations across Africa slam logos and um, those sponsors are not giving them a dime. Mm. We try as much as possible to get something out of our sponsors and that's because we give them quality there's a, there's value, value back value. exactly value. value back mm. if you're a digital bank we're talking about user acquisition if you're a qsr we're talking about footfall to your restaurant different different sponsors we've had you know uh playing in that so, so it's a bit challenging the only thing we need is for the brand guys and i'm sure some of them will listen to this is to open up their minds okay you can't keep doing the old ways of driving things and i think it majorly falls on the lap of the digital the heads of their digital mm, arm of mm, the marketing. Mm. You need to understand that esports offers you a whole new vista to drive your brand's proposition to, to your clients and to a whole new market. Exactly. So mm. they need to, to think in that line. We are willing and able to give them those experiences. So, and, I, and I'll give an example in April when the new Mortal Kombat movie was released, we mm. decided to create a gamified experience around it yeah. at the cinemas where we had. People play games, some celebrities, OAPs on, on radio and, and all that. They played on the large screen. Then we saw the movie after. That okay. was an unprecedented okay. thing okay. in Africa. It was the first time it was happening mm. for a movie, a, a new movie. And, and we created that. And it was, it was a good, good showing good for experience. us and for, for, mm. our, for our sponsor at that time. And there's a lot more up our sleeves, but the truth is they need to open their minds to understand that this is something fresh, something different, mm. and they need to latch onto it. Yeah, I mean, there was... There's been, well, maybe it's, it's thawing now, but there's been this fear, quote unquote, from parents. I mean, <laughs> I, have, I have a couple of teenagers. Now, maybe my daughter is almost a teenager. She's 12. But there's this concern about parents that you have kids and they are on the phone every waking minute. Mm. You know, I've also had instances where um, there's been instances, I'm talking about the negative aspects. Yeah. Now. There have been instances where somebody got, somebody actually was playing a game. I think I don't remember what, maybe you guys can tell where it happened. It, it was, it was playing nonstop for 40 hours and passed out and died on the table. You know, so I think esports has this possibility of addiction, mm-hmm. which addiction not to substance now, but addiction in terms of somebody, somebody cannot get off the handheld device or whatever it is they're playing with 24-7. Yeah. And that's the downside. Oh, yes. So how do you, as a parent, because, no, I don't know whether my daughter will be, bring me $1 million in two years' time. But you also have to control that. Oh, yes. yes. You also have to turn it to a positive that, look, you can't say, and you know, you can't stay on your system all the time. How do you, that's a concern for most parents, actually. It's a Especially valid concern. Part. Uh, it's just the same way growing up playing football on the street. It is a nice concern. Mm. But the beauty of it is that these days on two sides. Mm. So with the developers that do a lot of things in game to also teach you to, you know, watch the addiction level. Yeah. But of course, like we also stated that even in esports, there's a health side. Mm. There's a health segment. So, what am I saying? So different teams, different communities adopt different health initiatives mm. around these sports. So it's not left for well, of us on this this side of the world. We are not anywhere near yet. That's, that, that's you know yet. for now. Mm. But in certain games, once you turn on the game, mm. there's an it tells you your addiction level. Okay, if you are staying too long, if you've been staying too long, you know it tells you hey. In some games, it tells you you need to get a change of boxers. You've been in that, you know, <laughs> boxers for too long. <laughs> yeah, okay. Telling like, you that you've probably, I like that. Uh-huh. Yeah. Some will tell you, hey, there's life outside this game. Some, yeah, some, you know, do, some cautionary, cautionary messages. Uh, messages so yeah. Certain games have adopted that. Okay. But you see, as on our side, because it's a growing trend on our side. So mm. parents also have a huge responsibility in also trying to monitor. So there are certain things you can put on the phone that can help you monitor how long how long the child is the staying. child is you mm. know on a specific application or a specific game on the phone. Mm. So there are a few literally two things, but like I said, we are still far off yeah. from achieving those. But in the in developed plans, that's already happening. 
Mm. Um, there are health applications. We yeah. had some guys that we had conversations with before. There are health applications, gamer, gamer health applications you can put on the phone. Okay. That helps the child to know that, okay, I've done this too much. I need to do this. In fact, they've mm. done it to a point where up to the kind of food you need to be eating. Okay. Yeah. Up to the kind of exercise. Yeah, yeah, because, because actually it's a sedentary spot. Yeah. yeah. You stay probably on one spot for a long time. Up to yes. the kind of exercise you need to adopt, you need to do. So how do you, um, sorry to cut you short, but we're running out of time, so let's rush a bit. How do you, um, how do you know if a child or a young man has enough talent as an, as a, do you call them gamers now? Gamers. gamers. Enough talent as a gamer to probably pursue a career of this. How do you, is it that you have to compete at certain levels? You know, we, 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 we can see a little boy playing with his friends and say, this is, appears like yeah. a talented footballer. So how do you rate that? Because, you know, what I always tell parents is every parent believes his or a child is talented. You know, mm-hmm. many come out and want to play football, basketball. I say, <laughs> look, how do you assess the, the potentials of a child? So it's from, it's from competition, okay. competitions, competitions, more practice. And, um, for us, one, one of the things we're working on and we're hoping we can activate fully. We have mm. it on the virtual level now is, um, esports education, okay. which not only teaches you all the attendant factors in esports, but also the educational side. So mm. it's like a football school. Okay. Something like that. So like we're hoping academy. we can exactly like an academy. We're mm. hoping we can have such partnership with high schools here and, and maybe some universities. Mm. When people play competitions over and over again, you begin to discover their talents. I remember mm. when we ran our first Call of Duty, Sub-Sahara Call of Duty, Africa Call of Duty mobile tournament. It, the, the talents were there to be seen. I'm talking Xerox Beast and some of the other guys. That's their g- gaming names. They were there to be seen and it was evident. They only just needed to be taken off that level there because the moment you spot those talents, you need mm. to expose them to more. Okay. Because whatever level you think you are here in Africa, yeah, yeah, that guy yeah. in Asia or Europe mm, are mm. on another level entirely, but we can see your potentials. Those are the things we need to open them to. So it's about more competitions, more experiences for those gamers. Then they begin to scale up their, their performance. What's the biggest prize money ever won in esports, individual and team? Ah. You know that's the irony. And mm. let's let's clear one. I want down. to know whether I will start tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just bust your bubble first and foremost. It's not in football. It's not in any football game title. Uh, that, mm. That's for okay. Africans to know. <laughs> that's for Africans to know. Secondly, the f- football game titles because Africans are always about football. Football. Mm. It's, bigger. it's not even top five. Yeah, it's not mm. top ten. It's not high. FIFA is not top ten. So Tennis is not top ten. It's not top ten. I think it's Fortnite. It's Fortnite in uh, 2017 Fortnite. or 2018, yeah. $3 million. One person. Okay. And it was 16 at that time. Okay. And then? The League biggest? My daughter is 12. No, it wasn't League of Legends. It's Dota. <laughs> oh, Dota. The international, $40 million prize pool. Team. No, that's prize the prize pool. pool. I think the winner gets yes, $40 million. That's great potential. That's great potential. Yeah. Okay, so where do you see, Shire, let me give you the last word on this. Where do you see esports in Nigeria slash Africa the next five years? <laughs> We've smiled before every answer. Because <laughs> <laughs> a lot, a lot rests on the shoulders of not just the private guys like ourselves. There's mm-hmm. very little we can do, especially if the brands do not come through. Mm-hmm. Okay. But where you have a government with resources, and, and, and I'm going to use Malaysia as an example, that over the last five years, have had $15 million mm. in their budget. The last five years, from 2017 till now, for they've put in $15 million. Child, don't even think about it. So please go on. So, yes, but um, with my role as the mm. Secretary General of the AEDF, which is a privilege and a honor, I see myself and people like Yemi and people on my team and some other people from Africa pushing the African, the Nigerian African agenda on those levels. If we're able to put our voice on those tables, when we gather on those tables, I believe there will be a lot of things coming here. So for example, the GF has a a partnership with UNESCO Mm. and we're talking Mm. about some initiatives that will be coming up Mm. soon. We must ensure that it spills into Nigeria Mm. and we drive um, it. I mean, you guys have um, a couple of champions of your competition going Supposedly going to Singapore, yes, to represent Nigeria in December, yes, and all of that. So I mean, it, it, it's it's taking me a while to get to 
grips with what esports is. But like I said, it is another platform. Yes, it is. Let, know, let, let, as a roundup, one yeah. thing people need to understand is esports is borderless. Mm-hmm. And I think that is what differentiates it from every other you know, sporting activity. It is borderless. And we always say one thing. The fact that you have mobile telephony mm. is what gives you the huge advantage over every other thing that you're doing. Yeah. So, we don't call mobile mobile games uh, the future anymore. Mm-hmm. It's the present. We say it's the now. It's the now. The it's guys there. that won 45000 was a mobile title. PUBG Mobile for $5,000. So interesting stuff. Um, very, very enlightening, very illuminating. Thank you, Shire, for coming around. Opinion. And definitely, anytime there's an esports situation, we will drag <laughs> you back into the studio. So thank you, Shire. Yemi is under arrest. He's not <laughs> anywhere. Shire will leave us. And um, we will be joined by a certain gentleman who knows everything about. Uh, well, don't let me say combat sports. Let me just say, um, I don't want to use the word violence. The sweet science. Sports, the sweet science of boxing and also the UFC. He's here. I think unprecedented. I think this is third, this is the third time, time yeah. um, he will be here. So let me welcome Tude Koiki into the studio. Today, good to have you join us once again. <laughs> <laughs> bad man in the building you don't know <laughs> you know and uh, we're talking about you, the guys are talking about esports being um, like boxing in terms of the number of titles yeah. so one man has unified a particular boxing weight yeah. and um, for the first time ever Canelo Sao Canelo, Canelo Alvarez and you know he defeated Caleb Plant who was hitherto undefeated and he's now the undisputed super middleweight champion, the first ever mm. in the world. And it's been a while coming for Canelo, but just take us through how he's been able to do this just in the last 11, 12 months, um, unifying that division. He defeated uh, Billy Ray Saunders, I think it was. Mm-hmm. and a couple, So just, just tell us about that and the impact Canelo is making in boxing. Yeah, well, um, Canelo, first and foremost, uh, let me start by saying... You know, there's earth, there's wind, there's fire, fire. and there's Canelo. <laughs> Canelo is just a force of nature. Once you understand that, then you will understand exactly what he is and what he's doing for the sport. Um, and for everything that Canelo has achieved, he has continued to look, look for greater challenges beyond himself. Um, I'll, exp- I'll explain that in, in a little while, but the fact that he becomes the first undisputed super midway champion is really instructive because it's the first time in the four belt era. I think mm. the WBA started sanctioning fights in 1988. Before then, there were three belts. There was the WBC, the IBO, and the mm. IBF. But he's the first one to hold all four belts. This is what makes this particularly historic because since 1988 till now, the fact that nobody could do it is it's pretty, it's pretty mm. awesome. And the super middleweight uh, division is really, 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 really tough. When you look at some of the competitors who are there and the fact that he's been able to do it in the space of 11 months is also fascinating. He first won the first two belts, uh, beating Callum Smith. I think that was, uh, um, that was sometime last year. So there was the, the WBC belt was vacant. And the WBA belt was uh, up for grabs, which uh, Callum Smith had. So he defeated him, winning both belts. Then he moved on to Billy Joe Saunders, which was uh, a few months ago. Uh, that was at, in Arlington, Texas, mm. defeating him to, to, to take in uh, the WBA belt off him. Then he finally beat Caleb Plant to get the IBF belt and now complete the clean sweep of all, five, all four belts. Now, in Mexican... The Mexicans, they love their boxing. Mm. If, if you're a Mexican boxer, you're not, you're basically a royalty. Yeah. And in Mexico, they've had some really fantastic champions. Salvador, Salvador Sanchez, Julio Cesar Chavez, yeah. Juan Manuel Marquez. I mean, look at the way the names are rolling off, rolling the off the tongue. Tongue, These yeah. are, these are people like, I'm sure they probably don't pay for food anywhere they go. Mm. Probably don't even pay for gas in they Mexico because, they are regarded as, as legends. So before, and there are two more. I can't remember the name of the other two. Just six of them. But mm. to get into that exclusive club has basically deified Canelo Alvarez, mm. elevated him to 
a select pantheon of legendary boxers. So mm. as far as Mexico is concerned, he's a legend. He can do no wrong in their eyes. And uh, using a biblical quote, he's their beloved son in whom they are well pleased. <laughs> Professional record, 65, 57 wins, one loss. 39 knockouts, 18 by decision, two draws. The only loss was to Floyd Mayweather Jr. And then he was just 23 years old. Um, so, Yemi, what would you say is um, Canelo's legacy? Even though he's not retiring, I don't mm. think he's going anywhere soon. What would you say is his legacy in the sport? Well, some might not agree with what I want to say, but I think it's the fact that uh, he's never run away from a fight, from mm. a challenge. Yeah. Mm. He takes on everybody. He, most boxers are accused of ducking. Mm. Some, you know, mm. fighters. But he seems to always be willing to take up a challenge. Ready. And then the ease at which he moves from weight class to weight class to weight class. It's kind of like moves up to light heavyweight. I'm you not sure he, many people is, is, is he not a champion in another weight right yeah. now? He's, a four he's been champion at welterweight, mm. middleweight, super middleweight. He moved up to light heavyweight. I'm not sure that many boxers who've had to make that progression Transition. all the way to light heavyweight. I know the likes of... Uh, Pacquiao, yeah. where eight division yeah, champions, champions, but I'm talking yeah. going all the, when you're already light heavyweight, it's not small, you've been yeah, heavyweight, heavyweight already. Mm. So that in itself is ridiculous for anybody in this day and age yeah. to achieve. Some may not agree with the results mm. with himself and Triple G, the first fight, mm. but I feel that the fact that one, when everybody was avoiding Triple G, he took to that the fight and stepped up to the plate. Mm. First fight draw was willing to take the second fight again. He could have said, "Look, I'm comfortable. I fought this guy once to draw. There's no need to go again." Yes, there's a lot of money on the table, but he took that fight again, then won. So, I think the fact that he doesn't shy away from any obstacle, any challenge, and then he said he's fought sixty fights. Yeah. You need to go back to when he started fighting in the dark corners, in the back corners of Mexico, where nobody knew him and was taking humongous amounts of punishment and also punishing people. His story, his background. <laughs> you, you have no Quite choice but story. to respect the guy. Mm. Quite a story. Quite a story. Um, what's next for him? Because um, Yemi's just talked about uh, he, he has not talked any fights. But mm. after his performance against Philip, are you sure other fighters will not be ducking this guy? <laughs> yeah. you know, so what's next? What's on his horizon? Well, who else can he fight? That's the thing about um, the fight game. Everybody feels he's a bad, everybody feels he's a bad man. You understand? So, uh, like Tyson, uh, like Michael, Iron Mike Tyson said, everybody feels he has a plan until you get punched in the face. <laughs> so, and that's really how it, it works out. It is, yeah. Everybody, I mean, Killer Plant said plenty. He's going to be the first to end Canelo's, but blah, blah, blah. we know how that panned out. Uh, but for Canelo now, he's a proper old school fighter in the sense that the body of work that he has amassed, I mean, how many current fighters now have fought 60 times? Yeah. How many of them fight more than once or twice in a year? Yeah. Man has fought four times in 11 months. So the truth is, the, the body of work that he presents scares a lot of people. But also the fact that just stepping into a ring with Canelo Alvarez guarantees you payday, payday, mm, massive mm. payday. So that's a risk a lot of people are willing to take. Yeah. So there are no shortage of takers. Specifics now. Do you have um, names? Well, people say you can move back to 168, uh, 160, uh, go back to uh, welterweight and fight uh, still Gennady Golovkin, who still mm. wants him badly, wants to end that trilogy. It's a good fight to make. Yeah. There's still the brash talking Texan, Jermal Charlo, who is the WBC champion. But the one that intrigues a lot of people, mm. that is really, really scary, is a certain Russian light heavyweight. This guy, I don't know. If, if he could murder people, he'd probably do it because he's a really fearsome puncher. Heavy-handed Russian, 16 fights, 16 wins, um, I think he has the WBC and the WBA belt, I think. I'll talk about none other than Arthur Betebiev. Now, he's a, he's a scary, scary man. A lot of people are avoiding him 
Nobody wants to face him, even in his division, but everybody's thinking that this is a fight that, that Saul, fight. Saul Canelo would like you, to make. You can trust boxing. If there's a fight made in there, they will make the yeah, fight. Yeah, and the thing about it is Canelo, he's intrigued by the idea. Mm. Just like Yemi said, he doesn't back down. He likes these kind of fights. He, he, and he stated it very clearly. He actually enjoys fighting bigger yeah. and taller fighters. Mm. Maybe because of the fact that he's a short man devil likes that challenge of, you know, of the, the that, he, that David Goliath. The pummels the body. Yeah, that, you know, he's a, he's a fearsome body puncher. So the thing about Canelo is that he understands his craft perfectly. And boxing is pretty simple. Boxing is like chopping down a tree. You don't chop from the top. Yeah. You chop from the bottom. From the bottom. And the very bottom in boxing is basically, you can't hit anything below the belt, mm-hmm. so it's the sides. Mm-hmm. Once you start chopping to the sides, the hands come down, then you can do what we call the a shoe shine. You, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's pretty easy to take because even Killer Plants, by the 10th, 11th round, yeah. that jab was gone. Mm-hmm. He had punched mm-hmm. him very badly to the body that he couldn't snap it anymore and he finally got that shot. So, out of better behavior, presents a tremendous, very intriguing challenge. The WBC uh, president, Mauricio Zuleman, says he'd like to see it. Um, Canelo himself has hinted at it. He hasn't exactly said it, but I'm sure Eddie Reynoso, his his trainer, is already plotting that and that will be that would be just incredible for him, to, for everyone. To, he's actually fought a Russian before, mm-hmm. Sergei Kovalev. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. actually fought a light heavyweight before. That was Sergei Kovalev as well. Mm-hmm. But taking on a fighter like Better behaviors. For some people, it would be insanity. But for people like Canelo, it's just another because day. Canelo has become, become probably the biggest draw yeah. outside of the heavyweight division, if we can yeah. say. Yeah, well, even probably in all of boxing. Yeah, right probably now. he's one of the biggest draws now. So making a fight, you're like, yeah, um, today said, you fight Canelo, you're mate in terms of how much money you can make. Throwback. Who would you compare him to in terms of style? Mm. And um, how fierce he is in the ring it, across weight weights now, not necessarily. Um, you know, <laughs> that's an interesting question. I think it's a mix of Mike Tyson, and because of his hand speed, maybe a little bit of Manny Pacquiao, just a little bit mm-hmm. of Manny Pacquiao. So put that together. Mike Tyson with the power, with the power, Pacquiao with the hand speed, <laughs> punches to the body. Mm. I'd also add in a little man, uh, Juan Manuel Marquez. Yeah, because of the yeah. old Mexicans. Because yeah. he has a granite chin. I saw mm. him take mm. one Heavy flush punch. from Golovkin. Flinch. He didn't he barely flinch. He didn't flinch. I've seen Golovkin end people's careers with those kind of you shots. Know, he has this way of going into a fight and all that. And when he gets to the second half of the fight, he starts to punish you. Yeah, that's because you of know, he has... He has he's, a, you know, he, tremendous, he wears you down. He's tr- tremendous conditioning. Yeah. As in he... He can probably do that old school thing and fight probably 16 rounds. I think he... Pound yeah, for probably. pound? Pound for pound? Is he the best fighter oh, in the world yes. at the moment? Yeah, Everybody no knows that. That's, mm. that's not even up for debate. It's <laughs> not up for debate. And, and the fact that, you know, he's decimated opponents in four-way divisions right now. He's the most active fighter yeah. on, in, in world boxing right now. I think there's there's really no argument to make about that. What's it about Mexicans? <laughs> <laughs> and they are something the water. <laughs> <laughs> well, is there something we can is there something we can scientifically point to something we can is it in the culture is it in the the street culture when they're growing up and exactly. all of that what's you, in you it you hit the nail on the head I think there's the two things street culture and their culture generally uh, a little bit of adversity gladiators uh, Mexicans are, des- are descendants of Aztecs and Aztecs are some of the finest warriors in human in history mm. conquered most of uh, North and Central America so it's it's pretty much part of their DNA yeah so something in the water okay now um, let's come back home um Time was when we used to prepare, produce quite a lot of boxes. Do we have, I mean, don't let's look at the limitations <laughs> or the negatives of our, um, environment, of our environment. But I was, I've always felt like boxing is a sport where if it is, if we properly channel the talent here, because we have, whether we like, we have a bit of street culture as well, whether we like it or not, you know? Boxing is probably a sport where we have maybe more than above average ability to excel. I don't know what Tony thinks about that. I totally agree. I completely totally agree. But the problem is very simple and very basic. It's the culture. 
from from the very basic unit of society, the family. Hmm. Most modern parents now would rather let their children do karate, taekwondo, jujitsu, whatever, but they would never let them do boxing. They go, ah, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a sport fair, for thought. To be fair, I might be guilty of that. I've said it somewhere that like, if yeah. my son says he wants to be a boxer, I'll think about it twice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> because it's such a vicious sport. But it is no different from, from karate or jiu-jitsu. Mm. It is still a mode of self-defense. Yeah. And it teaches tremendous other, th- discipline. other discipline, yeah. you know, self-discipline. I think I I've mean, said what my mother thought about boxing on this podcast. And so we, we, get, we have it well there. documented whereby Boxing has saved Both lives. Saves a lot of lives. People yeah. who are deep into crime, deep into negative yeah. culture, yeah. and all yeah. gang, this gang life. They've said it very clearly that boxing Channel saved it them properly. Channel that energy into positive. Exactly. Look, so, and if, I, if we have the balls in this country to set up proper boxing gymnasium in every motor park in Lagos, it'd be flooded. You will find the talent. It'll be flooded. Mm. And you would gradually sway them from criminality to at least something more positive. Something positive. Mm. I actually work with a lot of these um, amateur boxers. A lot of them are just looking for an opportunity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Weekends, you go to primary school, secondary schools across Lagos State. They are training in the most rudimentary yeah. of, of, of environments. There's no heavy bag. There's no gym. There's nothing. But these people are showing no pressure. No nutrition. <laughs> I mean, these boys, I've seen them just drink pure, uh, uh, pure tap of and come and train. Or what paintball of a bar. Yeah. <laughs> but some of them also have a side job. They are mechanics. They are downfo drivers. That, but they love the sport. They have this, they can see the heroes. They can, they, I mean, I know one who, all his, Bratune, please send me one for data. What is he doing? He's watching boxing YouTube highlights. Wow. Constant. That's what he does with all his money. Watching the Canelos, watching the uh, the Joshuas, watching the Furies—that's what he does. Well, some people approached me recently. They have those boxing amateur boxing events on the twenty fourth. Maybe I'll invite you. Oh yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, and there's also actually a see. guy who I think is like maybe like the self styled Eddie Hearn of Nigeria. He's actually Lebanese, but he actually mm-hmm. has a really good good gym, box, uh, good, gym mm-hmm. good uh, boxing promotions going on here in Nigeria. He also takes a lot of Nigerian boxers outside uh, to the Middle East as well to go and compete. Mm-hmm. So the talent is, uh, look, 200 million people. 200 million athletic, <laughs> very like, strong people. I like, what, I like what Yemi said about putting a boxing gym in every yeah, match. On a, on a daily basis. Honestly, that's, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> look, let's be honest. If a fight starts in Lagos right now, a street fight, what do you see people jump, jump to do? They raise up their, raise raise up their hands. Uh, <laughs> that's and, they are, and they are bouncing, actually. Yeah. They are raising up their hands. Most bouncing. of them are not trained, but that's what they see, but they're ready to go. So the talent is there. It's just harnessing it properly. Back to the subject matter. Back to Sal Canelo Alvarez. Um, he strikes me as somebody who has still has a long way to go. I, doesn't, I don't think he's ne- anywhere near retiring. So how... Uh, what am I going to, how am I going to ask, how far, quote unquote, can he go? How far can he push his legacy? You know, in, with in boxers the, the like squared ropes. <laughs> mm. with boxers like him is, is there something I can say is overactivity. Mm. He's been too active that he's covered the ground that will probably take a boxer two, three years. He's covered it in a year. He's covered mm. it in one year. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, four, So you have to ask yourself, ah, what's next? What's next? Mm. Who's left for this guy to fight? Because, look, unless he's going to decide to fight the guy at life heavyweight, if he knocks him down, then you ask yourself again, what next? The only other thing is the trilogy against Triple G. There's also uh, uh, Dimitri Bivol, also light heavyweight, Jamal Chalo, light heavyweight in uh, welterweight. So it's not the thing where we have to be looking for him. Because he's, he's like a moving train. He's... He did honestly say that he'd like to retire by 37 and he's 32 now. Um, so, so which means we really have, if he sticks to that timeline, we really have maybe five years of more. Canelo to see. Mm. But even those five years, I'm sure he's going to give us a really good show. Mm. Fantastic. Fantastic. Canelo Alvarez, um, first ever undisputed super middleweight champion in boxing. He's taking some doing comes from a long line of uh, traditional Mexican mm. boxers who are doing great things, you the know? fighting pride of Guadalajara, yeah. Jalisco, Mexico. 
And I, I, on the night of that fight, Cindy <laughs> and I have spoken about it. Same night, there was a, U, a UFC event involving King Kamaru Usman, the Nigerian nightmare. And a friend of mine called me the night before to say, Ah, did you? What's going to happen? Kamaru is fighting this killer plant uh, and uh, Canelo fight is rising. So I told him, Forget about it. Those two fights would never come side by side. He said, How do I mean this? I said, yeah, The events would hold the same time, but the timing would be such that. One and finish. I told him, The timing was such that. I, I was I told him, The um, Canelo plant fight will finish. And then the Kamaru fight will say, ah, Why? Like I said, Because as popular as UFC is, they won't want to go for advertising numbers no and, and eyes <laughs> with, they won't want to compete for eyes and, um, PBV really? numbers yeah. with, and that's how it proved. At the moment the Canelo fight ended and they were doing all the ring interviews and all of that, and all of that, you switched over and then they started the build up to the Kamaru, uh, Covington fight. You know, and today, I mean, this Kamaru is, He's a personal friend of yours. I've seen your picture, even though don't fight him. All that one that they are doing on Facebook, please. Comic relief. We enjoyed the comic relief, but please don't go there. We love you, want you alive. <laughs> because I don't want to say you won't die. I beg. Kamaru's man extended his record. He won the fight. You know, that Kobe Covington, such a loud mouth. Sorry, mind my language. He talks too much, he talks brashly, but I think Kamaru put him in his place. But there was something I saw. Dana White saying, Kamaru suggesting that maybe he would go to boxing and fight uh, Canelo. Mm -hmm. And Dana White was like, don't even go there. I don't think Kamaru can fight uh, Canelo in the ring. And I don't think Canelo can fight Kamaru in the hexagon. They are kings of their own, in the the octagon, sorry. They are kings in their own castles. But, you know, we've seen, we saw Mayweather, McGregor, they made all the money in the world and all that. Is there a chance <laughs> that sometime in future there might be a crossover fight from, we, we've seen it with, I said, McGregor, Mayweather, but that was just a money spinner. You know, is there a chance of anything like that happening again as we go to our final topic for today, which is King Kamaru, who is reigning supreme in the UFC welterweight division? You just said it. Money. Mm. Money. If the money is right, <laughs> everything is all right. If the money is right, everything is all right. UFC gets a cut. Kamaru gets a cut. Canelo gets a cut. Um, everybody, everybody goes, goes home everybody happy. Goes happy. So if <laughs> the money is right, it can't be made. Yeah, I mean, to the people like Tunde and Suleiman Falari, who's a regular listener to the podcast and who's also close to the... Uh, the only fights I watch in UFC, I must confess, <laughs> Kamaru is fighting, Israel Adesan is fighting. That's the only time I watch UFC. I found myself... Actually, I think I was chatting with Tunde in the night. We were talking about mm-hmm. maybe, maybe I might do some magumago. But I found myself, actually, my heart was pumping out. I didn't know when I became a UFC fan <laughs> like that because I was never really a UFC fan until the Nigerians um, started doing very, very well there. How would you rate what Kamara has been able to do in the UFC over the last few years? Incredible. Incredible. And you have to look at the adversity. There's always... Stories of adversity always leave a very sweet taste in yeah. the mouth, especially when the person has come from that, you know, that process and gotten to the peak and seemingly becoming very comfortable and is reigning supreme, mm. you know, in that weight class or in the in the sport as a whole. So I have to say he's done an incredible job. And what even makes it even better is that with each fight, I think Kamaru shows us different sides. Yeah, I was going to come to that. To him. Mm. A lot of people say he's more of a wrestler, he's more of a grappler. His last two fights, the Masvidal fight and this one, he's shown that he's ready to more or less go toe-to-toe. Even Gilbert Burns as well. You know? Mm. So, I think that the fact that he's showing us that as a buck, as, as a UFC fighter, he's evolving with each fight, with each you know, opportunity that comes with I think that in itself puts him in a big, in a good position. He's gotten an incredible record. Let's just go through some of his records in the, in the UFC. Um, 34, 
years old. Number one UFC men's pound for pound rankings. Uh, debut in 2012. Ultimate Fighter 21 in early 20, February 2015. Um, Ultimate Fighting Championship. Five successful title defenses. First Nigerian born UFC champion. Ultimate Fighter 21 tournament. I said that. Performance of the night four times. Fight of the night one time versus Colby. I think that was the first fight. The first fight. Yeah. Mm. Uh, most consecutive wins in welterweight division which stands at 15 right now. 21 matches, 20 win, one loss, by nine by knockout, one by submission, uh, 10 by decision. Um, Yemi mentioned it, I was going to say, this fight, it showed that the first fight about, about two years ago mm. with Colvington, he showed that he's added what I'll call more ring craft, the jab. That left jab is more prominent now. So, as he is, as good as he is, would you agree with me by saying he still, he still continues to evolve? He has the raw power, but he's not adding so much finesse to his craft. Yeah, he's uh, obviously getting better. Uh, mm. And the fact that he can switch so effortlessly from a south force stance to, to, exactly, to a regular stance. To a regular stance so yeah. that way, I, I when he moves the south, no, he moves from a sorry regular stance to a south force stance. Mm. That way, the, the, the lead hand now becomes his right hand. He now starts throwing power jabs. Yeah. It's a really offensive weapon. And the fact that he's also a phenomenal wrestler, 100% takedown defense. He yeah, has he never been taking 10 of 10. He has never been taken down ever in his career. All the, all the Daniel Cormier's and everybody can say what they like. Kobe convincing did not take him down in that fight. The UFC stats are pretty clear. Yeah. Uh, Kobe had 11 takedown attempts, was successful, successfully none of them. Mm-hmm. The only one that Kamaru shot for, he was successfully, that's a hundred percent takedown. Um, you know, at that time that he slipped. It was still not possible it was, for him I mean, to so, take I, mean, down. I know the commentators were saying yeah, some funny things. No, it's part of know. the adversity that Yemi mm. was talking about. It's difficult when you're an immigrant, you don't look like them, you come from humble beginnings. And even you, even the, his background story, what happened to his dad and all of that. Yeah, I mean, the guy is... It's very inspiring. I actually, you know, I, I've said this before, I actually met him, I actually got in contact with him in 2017. Mm. It, then he was, uh, he was about to fight this Brazilian, as his name excuse my mind now. Someone just brought him to my attention that, you know, this, this phenomenal guy, in the UFC he's doing great things I think you should talk to him you know so I said yeah I'm always up to look for Nigerians who are doing great in the diaspora so I did a great interview it was on like seven radio stations uh, full page inside complete mm, sports yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of it is still online now people yeah. can go and check mm. it out and the fact that you know from where he was then to now it was very clear that this was a very focused young man who was on a mission. Even back then, nobody knew the kind of trauma he was going he through was with going his father to, yes, yes. being locked up. Mm. He always kept that, you know, at, at the back of his private, taking care of his daughter. I, and, and, you know, his, um, his relationship with his daughter is also a very beautiful thing. Yeah. He always carries it everywhere that look, she's the biggest priority in my life. I love her so much. Even now he's taking his break now to be with her after being mm. away from her for mm. quite so long. So he's just, it's just a fantastic story. He's a great role model. Speaks well. Very, you know, very personable. Humble as well. Humble as well. Mm. So he's he's a great guy. I mean, you saw that on on uh, that that um, Steve Harvey show where he also bought his parents a five bedroom house, the dream mm. house that they've always wanted. Oh man, he's. I mean, right now he can do no wrong. You know, it's always amazing when here we are in Nigeria. A lot of Nigerians can't wait to get out. Can if you give them a visa today, they'll get out. And can't wait to continue to downplay and badmouth their country. You find uh, Kamaru Usman, you find Israel Adesanya, who are established. They don't even have to remember Nigeria. Nah. They really don't. Because even like. And he left at a very young in, age, actually. And, and in his case, his parents are there. Mm. So he really doesn't have any connection. Any, any pool here. He came around recently and you could see he went into the ring. The music was um, Burner Boy. Boys Burner uh, Boy. and, and then after, after the fight, he, he, when he did all this talking to New York and all that, he came back, spoke pigeon, had the Nigerian flag and all. It's always amazing how you find Nigerians who are not here, who really don't have any reason to want to relate to here, but they still show you that they love their roots. That's always very, very heartwarming. And look at the adversity story that he's gone through. Most of us don't haven't gone through half of that. <laughs> and it's like, that your country. But that's always beautiful to see. Um, it's like, uh, what's this? Is it try to be this at home yeah. or, uh, home is where the heart is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, oh, wherever that forgets its origin will, will dry, eventually dry. <laughs> 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 
you can't take away the the impact mm. of your Africanness or your Nigerianness. Mm. It's in the blood, it's in the spirit, the adversity, the nature, the way we are brought up. More for that, you can't take that. It's the same way we talk about Janice and then talking poor. Mm, yeah. Same way we talk about uh, Anthony Joshua. Yeah, it's what so, makes you unique. So, so yeah. We, yeah, about that. Stand we out, had yeah. Masai on the show yeah. a couple of weeks ago and in fact, the good things is Somebody doing. was telling me that he, he was until the interview on this podcast mm. that he knew that Masai was actually Nigeria. Mm. Wow. That I always thought... Masai, Kenyan. Mm. Yeah, maybe, yeah. 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 But because the way he spoke about it, the fact that they see that link... And they believe that, look, we have gotten the opportunity to leave these shores, gone abroad, gotten a better life. We realize that we should be doing more mm. to allow, to give the people back home the kind of opportunity that we've had to be able to come out and make something of our lives. I think that's why they feel that huge mm. connection. Mm. With the motherland, like the basically, you can take the boy out of Niger, but you can't take. Niger but you can't take the, the boy. exactly the real Niger boy. What's next for him in the UFC? You think? Yeah, what's next? He says he wants to take a rest. Well deserved. Well deserved. He's yeah. everybody. Yeah. I mean, and he's also been pretty active over the Let last. Year. And he's become somebody that other opponents will be ducking now. It's still the same. It still goes back to what I said about the fight game. Everybody feels he's the man. Everybody feels he can be, 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 uh, behead the king and become the new king. So, but there's no trilogy with Kobe? I don't uh, think so. Kobe's matter is settled right for now. For now. If mm-hmm. he works his way back up whereby he can get a title shot, Kamaru will be there waiting. He said very clearly, ordinarily, ordinarily, after doing what he has done in that welterweight division, he should be moving up to middleweight. Mm-hmm. But he said it very clearly, He'd rather have two Nigerians with two belts than yeah, one that, Nigerian okay, because, with two belts. Of course, because of Israel is in the division okay, above him. How far with that? Israel is trying to move up. He lost the title, but yeah, he's still midway champion. Still midway champion. So yeah. What's yeah. up for him next too? Uh, Mitu is also going to title defense sometime uh, next. I think he's going to fight the Australian. But uh, the problem is the, the COVID issues yeah, in, in Australia. Him and Robert why, will take out. That's, mm, that's, that's a possibility happened. next year. Uh, but he, come on, he tell her, look, if you know, if uh, Dana White is ready to put uh, $100 million on the table, yeah, him and Dima yeah, and Israel can talk about it. Hey, oh my God. $50 million each. Uh, yeah, and they can bring that fight to Nigeria. We'll watch it. Oh, yeah, we'll definitely watch. But for, for Kamaru, um, he's for everybody. I'm looking at mm. that top five in that division now. Uh, there's Kobe Covington beating him. Gilbert, Gilbert Burns being there, mm. done that. Mars Vidal. Uh, Vidal is way down in ninth. Mm. There's uh, Vincente Luque, Brazilian. But there's also an interesting name. Mm. Uh, Hamza Chimaev. Interesting. Mm. He's on a streak unbeaten right now on the streak of 4-0 oh, mm. um, he might he might get a title shot some, sometimes you know, always, always, good. always good to talk about Nigerians and that's why I'm doing so well we had Marcel Jiri on the podcast a few weeks ago we've talked about these two gentlemen Israel Adesanya and um, um, Kamaru's man in glowing terms what, well, because of what they do and all of that because at the end of the day no matter what you achieve in those places they'll still let you know this is where you come from I <laughs> you know and for them, it's great to see that they are proud of their heritage. They are proudly Niger and they are pushing the Niger scene up there. It's always great to see. So it's been a very, very interesting Sports 360 podcast this week. We didn't have football at all. So that's great. We'll be back with football next week. Let me thank Shia Olabi, who was on the show earlier as we talked about the esports revolution. And of course, Today, I think we need to clap for today. Third time. Third time on the show. Third time. Bad man in Nigeria. You're done, no? All right, today. Great to have you. Thank and you. thanks for always listening. Thanks for keeping our numbers up there. It's been Sports 360 Podcast. Sports 360 Pod on Instagram. That's where you can catch us. Next week, same time, another episode will drop your way. My name is DJ Matoimbo. Yemi Adesan is here. But he, Ogutu, you're unavoidably absent today. But he'll be back next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.